Hello and welcome to You Irons, the West Ham podcast from The Athletic with me, Sam Delaney, and The Athletic's West Ham correspondent, Rashane Thomas. Rashane, you know, another weekend, another superb victory from West Ham. What the hell is going on with this team? That was a, another perfect performance yesterday, wasn't it? David Moyes working from home. It's, it's just, it's the new mm-hmm. thing now. It's, it's the new <laughs> thing. <laughs> and yeah, as you mentioned, quality performance. And the thing is, it could have been more than three goals. That was the most pleasing thing again. Similar to game against Wolves, you could have scored more than what the final result. So yeah, fantastic in the end. Leicester had won all of their games in the build-up to this. They're a really good team. People were talking about them again, maybe making um, a, a stab at the title or at least a top four place. You know, it's the same story as, as against Wolves. You know, we, we, Wolves are a great team as well. And we've just done it both times. I said this last week, often when West Ham win, especially against sides that are perceived as better than us, it we do it in a little bit of a, a, a D-Day sort of a, a atmosphere where it's backs to the wall, defending desperately to hold on to the lead right to the last moment. Both weeks running... Wasn't like that. Both weeks running, we could have won by more goals. We were comfortable out of possession. And it just seemed like there is a strategy in place that all the players have bought into and everyone's doing their job. It reflects extremely well on on the new coaching setup at West Ham, doesn't it? The way we're performing at the moment. 100%. And after the match, I said, obviously, Moyes are most likely to take Charles for the next game against uh, Tottenham after the international break. But I was like, credit to Alan Irvin, Stuart Pearce, uh, Paul Nevin and Kevin Oldham for doing an excellent job in his absence because this team right now firing on all cylinders, really. Because as you mentioned, everyone's doing well. Masawaki was great again. Cresswell got two assists. His range of passing was brilliant yesterday. Declan Ryan's that driver run for midfield and he's so, so close. I was like, oh, go with Declan. He obviously hit the crossbar. It's just, it's just a brilliant performance, honestly, Simon. This, this, this system right now, it's just, it's just getting the best out of everyone. That's all yeah. thanks to Moyes. Um, there's a high level of fitness. What I like about this team is it is very physical. It's fast. It's very dynamic. And right until the last, they just looked fit. They were tracking runs. They were No one was putting a foot wrong. There was none of that kind of making mistakes because someone's dragging their feet a bit or just looks knackered. They look very, very sharp, our players, don't they? hundred percent. If you think back to that game against Arsenal, the two-one defeat, the biggest reason why we lost was like a lack of tight marking, co- lack of concentration, yeah. and I haven't really seen that over the past couple or the past week or so against the uh, Wolves and Leicester. And for me personally, the most pleasing aspect of the two wins, you got two by like, informed strikers in Raul Jimenez and Jamie Vardy, and they haven't had the sniff at West Ham's goal. Incredible. Hardly a sniff. And you think back to last season and how like open this defense was to now. Keeping back-to-back clean sheets, honestly, it's just really good, really good. Really, really good. The defence, obviously the shape has made a difference and it suits us better to play with these three centre-backs and they know what they're doing. Cresswell, like you say, I mean, Cresswell is a maligned character. He, he has probably, you know, last two seasons not performed to the high standards that he, he was doing a few years back. But some of the stick he gets from West Ham fans is unbelievable. I've always had the impression that Cresswell is, you know, despite the fact he's a scouser, he's a real West Ham man. He, he loves the club. He, you know, he's good mates with Mark Noble and, and they're two of the sort of leaders within the dressing room as far as I can establish. And I feel he's always done his best. Um, he might have lacked 
uh, he might have lost a yard of pace so he doesn't make marauding runs as much as he used to to the to the touchline. But I just think he's had so much stick from certain West Ham fans. There's been such an obsession with, oh, unless we buy a new left back, we will get relegated. He's that bad, right? The change of position for him has obviously been brilliant, right? Because there is less need for him now to make sort of bombarding runs, which he then takes a while to recover from, presumably. But he's playing great in that position. Plus, he's an added threat because he can make, whilst Masuaku can run down the line, as we saw, Cresswell can make those crosses from deep, from deep positions. And he's brilliant at them, isn't he? Yeah, and obviously case in point being the assist for Antonio's goal and the assist for Fournal's goal. We all knew like Cresswell has it in has it in his locker to like whip in a good cross in, in the box or his free kick, for example, the goal he scored against Man United last season. He's got, he's got, he's got, he's got a great left foot. Uh, although I have to take issue if you're suggesting that it was a good assist for the Fournals <laughs> goal. I mean, the, 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 you know, the Antonio goal, brilliant cross, brilliant cross from Cresswell. But the Fournals goal, he was just booted. Yeah, it. it was classic, like hit and hope, which is, was the right thing to do, by the way. I mean, he had to get it out. You've got to clear your lines. The one thing that still worries me about Masuaku, and he's not been doing it. But every time he touches the ball, I always feel nervous like he's going to do it, is that he tries to take a lot of liberties in defensive areas, doesn't he? Yeah. Because he's so skillful. He's a skillful player. Some people say, you know, I've heard it said that, that within the squad, he is regarded as the best, most skillful player of the lot of them, right? Um, but, there's, you know, it's like Spider-Man's uncle said to him, with great power comes great responsibility. And that's that's what I hope Moyes is telling Masuaku because Masuaku loves to get it in tight spots in defence and do a couple of drag backs or a nutmeg or a Cruyff turn. <laughs> yeah. um, whereas Cresswell, you know, good old-fashioned British defender, boots it out. He didn't think it was going anywhere. But what about four nails? I mean, off the back of Wolves, I suppose he was the one player that people were still saying, maybe the only player who didn't get a nine out of ten against Wolves. But he definitely got one yesterday, didn't he? And what a touch, by the way, as that hoofed clearance came over his head without even looking at it. Brought it, da- brought it down like a peach, didn't he? What a touch. And he shows a lot of composure to finish off as well. Usually in that sort of position, Fournals gets a bit, I'm not excited, but it just, it just doesn't he's have missed, the comfort. Yeah. He's missed a lot of good opportunities. Yeah. And I thought if he was going to score, it was going to be a scrappy goal. Because <laughs> exactly like what you're saying, I thought he's the sort of player who you don't want him to have an opportunity mm. where he's got too much time to think about it because he'll bottle it. Well, yeah. he didn't bottle that, did he? In no, fact, I think all. he gave Schmeichel the little eyes because he he went sort of inside him, didn't he, with the shot? Yeah, and obviously, just thinking back to that previous game, he hit the, the crossbar against Newcastle, lucky not scoring that game. So this goal, like, obviously definitely helping with confidence. Fournal is often the engine of his team, works so hard, and obviously sometimes he sacrifices the offensive end just to do the job for the team. So I'm so happy he scored. It'll be it'll definitely help his confidence. And again, this system, we're seeing it working to his benefit because he's playing more centrally. He's not playing on the left flank out of position. He's playing more centrally, and obviously it's working well for him. For a limited time only, we're offering you the chance to subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month. You can read all of Roshane's great writing on the Hammers and so much more, including his brand new series entitled Future Stars, where he looks at the brightest prospects in the club's academy. It's the sort of insight you won't find anywhere else. There's also plenty of exclusive deadline day content for you to enjoy too. 
Just go to theathletic.com slash westhampod to sign up. That's theathletic.com slash westhampod and sign up for just £1 a month. What I see in this team is a spirit that I haven't seen for many years, to be honest, in a West Ham team where they all seem to be playing for each other. There seems to be a very good atmosphere in the club right now. You can see it on the field. There is so much energy in the side. I think clearly Rice is a great leader. I think Ogbonna is like having a second captain on the field as well uh, because he you can see him being very vocal and leading at the back. Um, and they just seem to want to work for each other. There was too many games under Pellegrini where players just, they seem disconnected from the rest of the side. I mean, if you look at Felipe Anderson and Haller in particular, you could look at them, and I have no idea whether this is the case at all. But if you look at them, sometimes you think, I don't think these lads get on with the other lads. I don't think they're part of the same crew. I mean, you look at the great West Ham teams, it's an old-fashioned thing to say. If you look at the 86 team or you look back on the Bobby Moore sides and stuff, the story's always like, you know, they'd play and then they'd all be out together. They'd socialise together, they'd drink together and all the rest of it. And I know times have changed now and players aren't down the pub after training. But I do think that stuff is still very important. And I think it is probably more difficult nowadays because, you know, dressing rooms are made up of all these different nationalities and cultures and languages. So it might be harder to bond. But I did always look at the team under Pellegrini and a bit in the, the latter stages of Billich and think they're not really playing for each other. But this team, they work non-stop to help each other out. They run all day. And I don't know, they just seem like they're a good bunch of lads who all get on. Definitely. And you know what? I want to give a special shout out to the bench because, you know, being at the King Power Stadium, especially with there no fans, you get a bit more time just to observe and see what people are doing, like, wow, the game's in action. And one thing I noticed, especially uh, as well as in the first half, with Vardy have this terrible tackle on uh, Vanny Mercafal, like this bad tackle. And the events were so incensed. They were like, what on earth are you doing? Well, what on earth, ref? One takeaway I got from, obviously, this different topic, one one takeaway I got from that documentary on Tottenham, Mourinho was like, you know, you're, you're too nice. Like, we need to, yes. we need to, we need to, like, show, show that, we can be bullies. We don't care about the off. Mm. We don't care about other teams' feelings. And I saw that yesterday from West Ham and the bench and also yeah. the players. Yeah, so it's good to see. I absolutely agree with that. There's a toughness about this team. I mean, it's a nasty team, right? Um, but uh, you know, we don't have dirty players. Although I was talking to someone recently and said, dirty players don't really exist anymore, do they? You can't actually be a dirty <laughs> player. They just they, you can't. I mean, the last uh, dirty player I suppose was like you might say Joey Barton. But even yeah. he doesn't compare because you, you, the notion of every team had their own dirty player who'd st- stuck the boot in. Now it's just that you would be off. You, you would get a straight card. If if our dirty players of, of old, like your Martin Allens or Julian Dixies were, you know, or Thomas Repkers, if they were around today, they'd just be straight off. You, I mean, you could, you cannot really do a sliding tackle. You just can't do it. Um, so it's, uh, I mean, it's a shame in a way you miss them. But we're not a dirty team, but we are a tough team. And I think our midfield of of Rice and Suchek are a very big handful for any other team. I thought we totally overran Leicester yesterday midfield, bullied them. They they When they got the ball, every pass they played was wrong. They didn't have a moment's rest. Uh, Suchek and Rice is an exceptional midfield duo. And then backed up by 
you know, workers like Fornells and Bowen and the strength of uh, Antonio, who's involved all over the pitch. We are a tough team. And God, when was the last time we've had teams we thought, well, we're, a, you know, we're a good. Sometimes we've got good attacking players and on our day we can beat anyone. All that kind of chat you get about West Ham. But actually now we're actually a tough team to play against. And I can't remember hardly any West Ham teams in my all my time supporting West Ham. People say, oh, they're very tough to play against. It's just not something that you associate with our character. But you look at that bench, you think, well, we've got two tough Scots at the helm, right, in Irving and Moyes. And then backing them up, you got Kevin Nolan, who after that Vardy tackle, I saw him on the box. You could really see him getting up, <laughs> yeah. arms out, like he was some like he was off with England's Barmy Army at uh, Euros fighting riot police. He, he adopted that post. And uh, and then you got Stuart Pearce as well. You know, this is a, like a, a setup behind the scenes who, who are going to preach that kind of, you've got to be tough, you've got to be cynical, you can't take any prisoners sort of ethos. And I love to see it. 100%. And just touching a point about Rasen Suchek, I'm not saying this because obviously this is the West Ham podcast, but I think it's definitely up there in terms of midfield drills in the Premier League right now. Yeah. They're, they're that good. They're mm. that good. Obviously, as I mentioned, the chance Rice had, Suchek being great in midfield. And one thing that's good about the system is we're able to like congest the midfield area. So that's why teams are finding it so hard to, to to break us down. And it's just it's just full of pros. It's full of pros right now. Usually around this time of the season, fans are like, oh, thank goodness the international break has come. We've been yeah. saying crap. But now yeah. it's like, we don't want it to come. No, I'm gutted. I want to play Tottenham now. <laughs> that that said, obviously Tottenham then smashed Manchester United six one. But I've got to be honest, the way we're playing, if if we played Manchester United, yeah. I think we'd beat them ten nil. <laughs> but Jamie Vardy scored a hatchet against Man City and couldn't even have a shot on target against West Ham. So yeah, we'll be fine. Well, we'll be fine. it's it's fascinating. You know, you look at West Ham and you know the, the the history of the year so far was we started the year thinking, well, we're in trouble here. You know, we, we, there's a strong chance we're going to be in a relegation fight. We might go down. Then the, the COVID break comes. We come back from that, have a couple of terrible performances against Spurs and Wolves. And then we're like, we're definitely going down. Then we turn it around. And between, you know, after that Spurs game, between then and the end of the season, thought we looked fantastic in every match. When that was over, everyone forgot that we'd been really good, including myself. You know, in a way, the narrative was going into the new season, it was all doom and gloom because we thought we needed to improve the side in various areas. And because we weren't doing that, because we weren't making big signings, we almost collectively forgot the fact that the existing team had performed very well at the end of last season. And I think that's the thing about transfer windows these days, is that what it makes you do is forget about the team you've got. All you can do is think about the team you might have. And any player you're linked with, um, and, you know, a huge amount of time, that is a player who most of us wouldn't have seen before, um, are unfamiliar with because they play in a foreign league. So we look at the YouTube best bits, which are never a fair guide to the quality of a player. And everyone becomes collectively obsessed with the need to buy a player who five minutes ago we hadn't heard of. And if we fail to sign that player, we go mad. Like the team is finished and we and we just we might as well give up now and just accept relegation. We've got no idea what impact that player would make. How many players signings 
not just at our club, but any club, um, proved to be a silver bullet. The, the, the one piece of the jigsaw that takes a team from one level to two or three levels above. It Football teams just don't work like that. I mean, we, we once signed Carlos Tevez and Mascarano. We'd just come out of a World Cup where those were two of the best players in the tournament. Absolutely unreal players. Players you thought were going to end up at Real Madrid or Barcelona. They end up at West Ham, right? That season, we're in a relegation battle. And actually, their arrival in some ways was one of the reasons for that because it unsettled the squad. So you just never know. When you've had a, when you've had a sign in like that, I remember the day we signed, I remember that transfer deadline day and once it, the news had broken, I was so, I couldn't get any work done. I couldn't concentrate on anything other than fantasising about West Ham beating Chelsea in that year's FA Cup final with a hat-trick from Tevez. I just... I, I was I was convinced that with these two players we were going to be genuinely we were going to be competing for the league because that's how preoccupied people get with signings. But in running around worrying and and saying mad things like not like mm, maybe we could do with a back better left back or competition for Cresswell. No, the narrative is Cresswell is absolute rubbish. He is terrible. We are getting relegated. He can't run. He can't pass. He's useless. No one's saying maybe Balbuena could back. Balbuena, forget it. He's the worst centre-back I've ever seen. We can't get anywhere. I want, instead of Balbuena, I want someone from a Bundesliga club who I've never seen, but I've just read about five minutes ago, right? I want him. He's going to be better than Balbuena. None of us know, right? In actual fact, what's happened is that Moyes and the coaching team have changed the system, presumably putting some hard focus work with certain individuals on the training ground. And what they created in Mikel Antonio was the best centre-forward in the Premier League at this moment. And don't forget as well, he was also the best centre-forward in the Premier League at the end of last season because he actually won the Player of the Month award in the, in the final month of last season. Right now, there is no centre-forward in the Premier League, including, you know, whoever you want to say, Aubameyang, Harry Kane, that I would swap Antonio for. That is because... The coaching team, rather than come in and moan and and say what certain managers would say, like your yeah, Harry Redknapp would say, well, yeah, we've got a buy to improve. They've looked at what we've got and they have turned a player in, to put it in FIFA terms, right? They've taken a 78 rated player in Antonio and they've turned him into an 86 rated player, right? And, and that is better than a 50 million pound signing, right? He has turned into a player who is much better and more effective than Haller, right? Who we who who he's keeping out of the team, who costs us forty five million. So they've effectively created a fifty million pound striker who we've got for free in Antonio, right? I don't want to buy a striker today because I'm happy with Antonio, and I think that having a forty five million pound goal scorer on the bench in case Antonio picks up a knock is very good. Thank you very much, right? They've taken Masuaku who was on his way out, you know, no, he was totally written off, right? Uh, he was being sent to the glue factory as far as most West Ham fans were concerned. He's been turned into uh, a left wing back who I would struggle to think of another left wing back at the moment who I'd rather have. And not just that, it keeps on getting better because you look at Balbuena in the last two games, a player who was completely written off. We wanted anyone rather than Balbuena. 
playing in central defence. Balbuena has been brilliant. If we signed, if we if we do sign a centre back today, I can't see how he's going to get Balbuena or Cresswell out of the team. Ogbonna was um, even he season before last. People were thinking maybe his time's up. He's now, you know, he had Jamie Vardy in his pocket all day yesterday, and for some months now, people have any West Ham fans known he's been our best defender. He's been a rock, and he's you know maybe been the second team name on the team sheet after Declan Rice every match, right? So these the, the manager we've got and the coaching team we've got, I don't think they're losing sleep over player purchases right now, like so many fans are, right? I think that they're thinking we we've got a squad that we have turned into winners and we've improved these players and we'll continue to improve them. And it gives me a huge amount of hope as well for the great young players who, who you've been, you know, uh, doing so much writing about and brought to our attention who are coming through the academy. They're the ones who I think will end up being the backup to these great players we've got um, in the first team at the moment. And it's great that you know you've got coaches who can take those young players and make them even better. Um, because I think, you know, we're recording this on Monday morning, partly out of the fact that we were so excited about the Leicester result that we just wanted to talk about it and, and get our thoughts out there. But obviously, we've got we've got transfer window lying ahead of us and, and we may make a couple of signings. It seems rather unlikely at the moment. But I'm um I'm not bothered. I've I've you know after these last two results I think who now could be displaced from that team? Even if we make a big star signing today, who who's gonna make room for a star signing out of the team that's just beaten Wolves and Leicester? I to be honest, I can't I can't see Balbuena or Cresswell or Ogbonna being dropped, can you? I can't. I can't. It's gonna be dealt to get space back in the team. It's gonna be. And I, I just want to give you a round of applause for that, Saka. That, that was brilliant. That was such a passionate speech. That was brilliant. And you know what? Just just touching on Antonio quickly. I actually feel like he deserved to be in the England squad. Yes, I feel like of he deserved he to be in the England squad. He scored ten goals in his last eleven appearances for West Ham. Can't think of a, of a striker in the country right now who's better goal scoring form than Antonio at the minute. So he definitely deserved to be in the squad. And just touching on transfers. In an era where clubs are like making eye-watering transfer fees and offering players all sorts of crazy money, once again you have a situation where I'm always in West Ham. I found a bargain in Vladimir Kalfal, the right back. An absolute gem in Thomas Suzak, who no one really knew prior to his move to West Ham. A good player in Boren, who we all knew was good enough, but he deserved a break in a Premier League club. We're finding these sort of good players and, and it's all clicking. And it sort of reminds me of like what Arsene used to do at Arsenal a few years ago. He used to find these these good players that no one knew about and they'd become world-class signings, world-class players rather. He'd play young players into the first team. Arsenal fans were like, why are you not signing anyone? Arsenal Wenger's like, listen, I have good good players here. Just give them give them a chance and they'll do well. And I see that right now on Moyes and West Ham. Barbrena, as you mentioned, I've got to say, like, I I, I wrote up Barbrena. I thought, I thought he wasn't good enough. But he certainly proved me wrong. Masaraku, I thought he wasn't good enough. He certainly proved me wrong. And you want to see that. You want to see players say, you know what, I'm still good enough to wear the shirt. I'm still good enough to do well. And yeah, honestly, you can't fault the effort from the players right now. But you're right about Antonio in England. I, I am. I find it absolutely ridiculous that, um, I mean, I, to be honest, like a lot of football fans, I'm less interested in England than I probably, than I was when I was a kid. Um I think that Gareth Southgate's selection policy is strange, though. I don't follow it, uh, you know, very closely, but I do think it's strange. There are players who pop up and it can't have anything to do with form. 
the the players that get selected. It, it's obviously to do with players that he favours who've been in the squad for a while, who they know. And yeah, maybe that's a legitimate way of running England. Maybe you can't keep chopping and changing. Maybe you need to build a sort of a club mentality, and that means consistency in selection. Fair enough. But if it was if it was based on form, then there is no doubt that on form. Antonio is the, the, the number one English striker in the Premier League at the moment. I mean, you know, you can base that on your subjective opinion of his performances or on the stats. I think either way, most people can see he is the form striker. The thing about, about him is that when he first was playing up front, even when he started scoring, we still regarded him as effectively a makeshift striker who we would eventually have to replace with someone who was a specialist. Now, that's not the case. He is a specialist striker now. And, I, I you know, if he, if he needs to play on the wing again at some point because of whatever injuries, then fine. But first and foremost, this bloke is a striker. And what's more is, uh, you know, he can do everything because he can do what Vardy does, which is run in behind you know, hang on, hang on the last defender's shoulder, running behind to balls over the top and finish, right? He can do that. He can finish with both feet. Um, but he can also do what Vardy doesn't do. He can play with his back to goal as well as any other centre forward in the Premier League. That's his biggest joke, in my opinion. Yeah, he can do that. And that, that's, but, but we know that he's extremely quick, right? He's one of the quickest players around. But he doesn't even have to use his pace for that. That is just about, he holds it up. He's got much better at laying it off as well. He's got vision. He knows how to lay it off. Then he can turn. But on top of that, so he's got that. He can play with his back to goal. He can run in behind. And then he's a triple threat because he can also score headers. He's lethal in the air. Scored a great header yesterday. So, you know, he's got the lot. And the fact that, you know, the likes of Tammy Abraham, who, by the way, I think it's a good player. I'm not slating him. But there is just no way that Tammy Abraham is, is playing as well as as Antonio is at the moment. I can only imagine that it's about Antonio's 30 and Southgate thinks, oh, I'm trying to build something for the future. But how long are you going to build something for the future? I tell you what, if there was, uh, uh, if we were in the Euros now, if we were in the finals, you would want Antonio on the bench at least, wouldn't you? You'd rather have him than any other striker I can think of right now if you needed to chase a goal in a knockout game he'd be the guy you wanted to bring on. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hi guys, David Ornstein here. If you've not seen it yet, I've launched a new weekly YouTube show, Ask Ornstein, where I answer questions from our subscribers to The Athletic. Submit your questions via the discussion pages on The Athletic app and I'll answer my favourites. To watch the show, head over to the TIFO Podcast YouTube channel and a new episode will be up every week. Oh, by the way, while we're talking about England, I would say that also Jared Bowen must be getting very close on yeah, current Oh, yeah. Ball. That's another good shout. Uh, three goals in two games now. He's um, a threat to the opposition in every game, plus 
he's it's like having a wing back as well because the amount of work he puts in and i think that you know again southgate is i know there's going to be a, a couple of players potentially chucked out of the squad because they've been breaching covid laws and going to parties and uh, we might see this week that a couple of fresh faces are called in and i wouldn't be at all surprised if bowen was one of them either don't you think yeah, most certainly. And as you mentioned, he's been in brilliant form right now for West Ham. Definitely deserves opportunity. Considering only, what, I think five or six years ago he was playing for Hereford. And now look at him. Wow. Possibly going to play. And obviously, when I wrote a piece just profiling Jared Bowen's background, then everyone I spoke to said, this guy will play for England soon. Like, he's that good. Really? He's, he'll play, yeah. Everyone's like, he's going to play for England soon. I'm that confident in his uh, trajectory right now. Where, where's he from? Because I'd not, never heard him speak until last week after the Wolves game. And I don't know, I suppose probably because we'd signed him from Hull. I'd ignorantly assumed he was a northern lad. He was, he was quite well spoken. Yeah, he's quite an, a well spoken young man. Where, where's he? Where's he from? He's from Leominster. Right, where's that? He's from? Uh, it's like around Hereford, about right, twenty okay. minutes from Hereford. Right, right, so, right. So yeah, that's right. where he's from. Well, you know, I, I I wouldn't be at all surprised if he went into the if he if he ended the season with at least one England cap. When I look at this team, you know, we, we've mentioned transfers and. And I think by the time you're hearing this, you know, we might have signed someone. Uh, it doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of business done by West Ham today. I look at the defence now and I think our current back three and wing backs, very solid. Can't see it changing. And then if you look on the bench, you think, well, if Diop, once he's back from his problem, if he's, if he's our reserve centre-back, then we're in really good shape. Right, because Diop is still, you know, although he's lacked consistency for the last year or so, Diop has still got potential to be a real first-class defender. So I'm not that white. Plus, you've got Declan Rice who can play centre-back, right, if you really need to. I think we're in good shape. You look at the right-back situation, obviously, you know, we haven't we haven't talked about it a great deal, but um, I think the new lad, Kufau, played fantastically well against Leicester. He, he looks like he's just slotted straight in. Um, we've got backup in that position as well in Fredericks and Johnson, who are both decent. Um, you could argue we're lacking a bit of backup to Masuaku if he gets injured. Um, I don't know what we'd do there. I, I tell you what, though, I look, you said earlier, you know, Rice and Suchek uh, won the best midfield pairings in the Premier League, which I agree with. I worry about our support there. If I, if I was looking at a sign-in today, I'd be thinking we need um, a couple of young, very athletic midfielders because if Rice or Suchek get injured, then I think that is the thing where we're most vulnerable because the players who come into those positions are Noble and Lanzini. And the problem with both of them is that they, are, they don't have the physical presence, really, of Rice and Suchek, but also... Our game plan now is so based on very fast, powerful um, counter-attacks. And it usually when we win the ball in our own half, there is one pass straight out of defence up to Antonio or out to Bowen. And, you know, no ball doesn't play that way. When no ball is playing for us and he wins the ball, he takes several touches on the ball, by which time... The opposition have, uh, have got men back and we find ourselves having to play through a sea of defenders, which is difficult for any side, you, you know, unless you've got a Kevin De Bruyne um, to sort of unpick that situation. It's very difficult. So I, I think that the game plan rests on having Suchek and Rice in the team. And I think Lanzini, who also, I think, takes too long on the ball 
and is very lightweight. I think that that's that's the area where we need more backup. Is actually everyone thinks it's defence. I don't think it's defence or attack. I think we're well stopped there at the moment. I think that we need backup in central midfield. And if we're not going to buy people, um, I know that there's a. It looks like Josh Cullen's off to Anderlet on a permanent deal, which is a shame to see him go. I would like to imagine that we could give young players a chance if we need to. Um, for instance, Connor Coventry. You know, is he a player who you, you know more about him than me? Is he someone who you think could could become more part of the first team setup this year? Definitely. Connor Coventry is an exciting talent. He scored in uh, the under 23's last game. And yeah, he's, he's doing really good right now. Obviously, when I was at the um, uh, South End versus West Ham 23 game, David Moyes was there. And obviously, Connor Coventry scored in that match. So he's definitely someone Moyes is aware of. And I think this is one of the... Re- obviously, we'll get into it. But I think this is one of the reasons why I've allowed Josh Cullen to leave. Because they're looking at it like, hey, we've got someone like Josh Cullen, younger, perhaps much better in terms of career prospects. So we're, we're putting all our... All our, all our um, I focus on him right now, but there's one player you forgot to mention, uh, Jack Wilshire. He's also uh, <laughs> he's, <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but yeah, he's also on. an option. If you're being serious, fine. <laughs> he's also an option if Rice is uh, like uh, You know, I, I mean, like I say, we're recording this Monday morning. Um, I'm sure the club would hope. I, I would, I would sure, I, I'm sure that the club would hope that that Wilshire's will be out of the club by the end of this transfer window. Um, but it doesn't look like there's much movement because of his wages. But again, we're talking about players who don't win the ball back um, as well as as well as Rice and Suchek do. And when they do win it, they take too long to move the ball forward. What I love about Rice and Suchek and, and all of our players at back is they get the ball, they look up and it's straight out. We're straight out of defence into attack and, and utilising all that pace we've got. That's why I think that we will our struggles will be when we're at home to uh, teams who are below us in the table and who come to just sit back. That will be a, a, bi- a big test because the last two games we, we were against teams who wanted to attack us and thought they could beat us and, and that suited us. But yeah, um, I, I, would, I would be looking at young very athletic central midfielders. That's what we lack beyond the cho- the first choice. I mean, I don't know if there's anyone as well as Connor Coventry who's coming through in the, in the recent yeah, very, in that position. V- actually, there's a young player who signed on a free transfer from AFC Wimbledon called uh, Asama Ashley. Mm. And I think he's really good. He's a defensive right. midfielder and this guy loves to tackle. Oh my goodness, this guy loves to tackle. He's right. great offensively as well. So... Uh, if it is a, is a case where we're short of numbers in midfield, then he's definitely someone who deserves a chance. Yeah, well, I hope I hope so because you know Nobs came on and he's a good person to bring on when it's late in the game and you're ahead because you know that he'll work hard, he'll put a tackle in, and he'll be decent at retaining possession. But I really I hate to say it, I love Mark Noble. I think he's a bona fide club legend and he's been brilliant, underrated. Should have won some England caps, but. One of the big differences in this team now is, is just simply that he's not in it. You know, <laughs> it, it's it's true. I mean, he, he he was great, but now the system is so dependent on moving the ball quickly that you know he just doesn't fit in, does he? He's not yeah. someone who will, who will play one touch football, play the ball forward very quickly. Yeah, and, and this is nothing like against Noble by the way. We all know he's been a great setup for the club, but yeah. it's football. When you reach a certain age, the club has to sort of made that, you know, gradual progression to 
to have your replacement and, and sort of not show you the exit door, but, you know, sort of say, hey, thanks for everything, but this is the new direction we're taking right now. Noble's contract expires at the end of the season. And it remains to be seen whether he'll be offered a new contract. But this could be it for Noble in terms of his like playing time. He could play 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there. And especially with West Ham now at the Carabao Cup, his chances are going to be limited in the playing team for the league up until at least January when we're playing mm. FA Cup. Well, I hope that they offer him a... Um... If, if not a playing contract, I hope they offer him a coaching contract. I think, you know, it's very important to keep people like that within the club. I think we've been remiss about it in the past. You know, if you look back on some of the greats who, who weren't kept inside the club, I mean, he is Mr. West Ham. And when you see the likes of Pierce and Kevin Nolan on the bench, you can see that it's really helpful because they're, they're you know, they're, they're giving a bit of passion and, you know, some, and they have empathy with the players as well. And I think, you know, Mark Noble has got to be... I'd love to see Mark Noble as part of that current, you know, um, set up on the bench. Well, certainly. I can imagine Mark Noble right now being like Kevin Owen and just getting angry from the bench. Yeah. Whatever decision that goes against us. And it's similar to when we have... Uh, we had, obviously, Bobby Zamora on a podcast a few months ago and he mm. said, listen, give this guy a row in the hierarchy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you've got to tap into this guy's, like, connection with West Ham. You can't let it go to waste. So, absolutely spot on, Sam. We're not expecting much business. There was uh, the guy from Marseille uh, apparently turned West Ham down over the weekend. Another example of someone who I personally, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe you know, maybe the majority of West Ham fans, not including me, are watching League One on uh, satellite every weekend. I'm not. I might watch one game on average a season from the French League. But it was amazing how within 24 hours of being linked to this uh, Marseille centre-back, everyone had him down as the saviour of our club. Gary Lineker tweeted something this morning saying, happy chance of deadline day. Whatever happens today, even if you don't get the player that you want, just know that either way, it's very unlikely to make a difference to your club's outcome this season. And that is what everyone has to remember. Because when it slams shut, and we haven't gone out and signed a superstar. People will spend the next 24 hours on Twitter predicting doom and gloom for this club. And, and it's not a good atmosphere to generate. Listen, I know, you know, and I've been very vocal about the flaws of the owners of this club. I've been very clear as well that I would rather they not be at this club. I don't think it's a well-run club. But what I do think is that it's at the moment we have a very well-run team. And to to slate the team, which you're kind of doing if you say that unless we bring in signings, we're doomed. I think we should we should be saying the opposite, and we should let the players know we've got 100 faith in them and the players on the bench. And if we bring no one else in, then great because this team doesn't need disrupting right now. Moyes always said if you're going to sign a player, it's going to be someone who's going to have an immediate impact, not squad yeah. players. And obviously, we saw that with Van der Merkel foul. So why not if we can sign a squad player? We have enough squad players at the minute. <laughs> we don't need to sign anymore. Well, I think that's um, you know that is traditionally Sullivan's speciality is signing squad players, isn't it? And he's annoyed clearly from his recent interviews that he's not been allowed to sign squad players. He effectively said on TalkSport, listen, I could go out and buy six players. I'd love to, but none of them would be good enough for the first team. And for some reason, our manager is making out that David Moyes is a bit of a snob. Oh, our fancy pants manager has insisted he only wants good players, which is a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit snotty. Yeah. But um, he goes, if you want average players, I can go out and sign a bunch of them. And the truth is, is that there are West Ham fans who are so obsessed with transfers that they would like us to sign five average players. 
because they just like the idea of us signing players. Wow. You know, as someone said to me years ago, and, and I'm increasingly thinking it's a great idea, is there shouldn't be a transfer window. All transfers should be um, unreported, right? It should be a blanket ban on reporting anything to do with transfers. And the first that you know as a fan about anyone your club signed is when you watch the first game of the season <laughs> and the teams run out onto the pitch. And you go, who's that bloke? Yeah. Right? And then you realise you sound so it's, it's exciting because it's a big reveal. It's like opening your presents on Christmas morning. And uh, it saves all the symptoms. There's so much negative dialogue around it all the way through the window. People, it's almost like they think the league table is decided upon who's made the best signings. But, I mean, Manchester United, they make signings every window uh, for a lot of money and often very famous names. And with almost out, without any exception for the last six, seven years, they've all been an absolute disastrous waste of money. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I tell you what, mate, I cannot wait for the Tottenham game. I cannot wait. Tottenham are a good team. Mourinho's improved them, I think, over the last however many months, six months. And obviously, they got a result against United. But I was looking at them and I was thinking, you're winning 6-1 because United had a player sent off. And also, their players cannot be asked. right? <laughs> they just... I mean, that... That t- they're a mess right now, right? And so Spurs, I looked at so well, yeah, they, you know, obviously they're decent, but I thought our performance against Leicester was twice as good. And I didn't see Villas. I mean, Villa obviously, worryingly, have become brilliant. I mean, you don't beat, you don't put seven goals past Liverpool. I mean, come on, that is outrageous, isn't it? Uh, we, we've certainly let Leicester from, from previous layers of you know, coming up, then going down, coming up, then going down. And they've, if out of all teams, uh, they definitely recruited well. Ollie Watkins, the striker I've always rated. Ross Barkley on loan. Matty Cash, have played, we've been previously linked all to All three of those players, players West Ham yeah. strongly linked with <laughs> over the last few months, yeah. annoyingly. I know, I love it all doing well at Aston Villa, so. Yeah, yeah I've got to say, I've got to say, I didn't know much about Cash. Um, I was sort of a bit tempted by Ross Barkley, although now I'm not bothered that we didn't get him. Um... Watkins, I have to say, when they signed him for whatever it was, 27 million, I thought, we've seen this before. The player who's been decent in the championship, someone spends over 20 million and you know it's going to be like he ends the season on seven, he ends the season on, um, you know, seven goals uh, and ends up being loaned back to Brentford or something. But prove me wrong, shows what I know because that is incredible. He's He's put... Three goals past the defence marshalled by Virgil van Dijk, the world's best defender. Yeah, alongside also Joe Gomez. Uh, fans are like, well, Adrian, he never conceded six goals at West Ham. Yeah. He never, <laughs> <laughs> like, he never conceded six goals at West Ham. That's well, the Liverpool effect. Speaking of Brentford players who, you know, could make it in the Prem, the other big one is Ben Rama, who we, you know, has been linked with a lot. Um, and of course... When today's transfer deadline is over, that still leaves 10 days to, for us to sign players from within this country. So championship players, etc., are still all up for grabs. And considering that David Moyes' original transfer policy when the window began, although that was quickly kiboshed by our ludicrous owner, 
um, was that he wanted to sign hungry young players from Championship. Well, if today doesn't end with any signings, there, there is still a chance. We've still got the Diangana money in the bank. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if late in the window we took that money and offered it again for Ben Rama, simply because Brentford might be in a situation where they fancy the money at that stage. And he scored an absolute worldie oh, on wow. Friday night, didn't he? What a goal. Like, oh, my, I think it's Michael Hector, I think it was, who he done the skill on. Oh, my goodness. That, that was bad. That was so bad. But you know what? I actually disagree. If West Ham were to like sign a player for the Championships, or like Brentford in particular, it should be Rico Henry. Mm, Rico Henry yeah, can challenge yeah. Masuaku for that left wing back position. Yeah. Because as you mentioned earlier, we're a bit light in that area of the field. So I reckon they should go for Rico Henry. Well, I think that Moyes just simply doesn't fancy Rico Henry. That's the only conclusion I can make because everyone's been talking yeah. about him. You know I always trust your view on a player, right? You, you, you're never wrong. You, pick, you, you know how to pick them, right? So <laughs> I, I've been behind the Rico Henry. Every, everyone has been talking about Rico Henry. Rico Henry is clearly available for the right price because I think, you know, with all due respect, any Brentford player is available for, you know, for the right price. And um, Moyes has obviously looked at him and for whatever reason thinks, nah, he's not, he's not good enough. So I can't see it happening now. Yeah, it would be a shame. It would be a shame. Barama would be good, but we have a lot of Baramas. We have, and obviously they're not on form right now. But you know, the Anderson, the Armenenko, the Lanzinis. We have similar yeah. players like that. So, yeah, it's the one area I reckon we still need to strengthen. Obviously, Rico Henry would be a good addition. He played well against West Ham in the uh, preseason game. So, mm. yeah, hopefully, hopefully it changes. Because, like I said, he'll be really good for us. A lot of controversy um, about Moise's lack of substitutions, and that seems to be something that dogs him quite a lot. People yeah. saying that he won't make subs, of course, he didn't make any uh, against Everton. But to be honest, the way our team plays and the way that he's got them so fit that they're all fighting right to the 90th minute, I'm looking at that game against Leicester when it was still just 2-0 and I'm thinking, please, God, don't bring on Yarmolenko or Anderson <laughs> or Lanzini because they will completely change the atmosphere of this team because they'll come on and although all three of them are potential goal threats, particularly Yarma, you know, we will suddenly stop being this team who just don't give up and are just ha ha buzzing around the opposition constantly to be having a couple of gaps in the side. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why he's not making substitutions. Yeah. Because I think he hasn't got faith in them. I know. But it's mainly, f my, my biggest frustration with it, it's mainly when we're like, when it's like 1-1 one, one, or it's like 2-1 two, one, two, one down. It's like, when, when we're in position to like, you know, have a amount of serious charge to win the game or... Or what, what, like doing one and attacking in, and it's like, come on, bring one, bring one player on just to yeah. give us a bit more energy. That's when I get frustrated with Moyes. And like, for example, the Everton game, obviously, it was a bad result. Definitely was a bad result. But there are times where we were thinking, hey, bring on Suchek, um, who could perhaps change the game. Yeah. So that's when I get frustrated with Moyes and lack of subs. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Everton, I think that the scoreline, did it flatter Everton? Everton were very good, but I've seen us a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, we know we're yeah, usually sure. knocked out by like lower league uh, opposition. Yeah. At least we were knocked out by a team who were the current top team in the Premier League at that moment. And I thought we were in the game for quite a lot of it, and then at the end we just faded away. Um, so you know, obviously Celebi. Everton are our top of the Premier League right now. So absolutely no shame in the term whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. I think ever. I think the way this season's going, which by the way is insane across the board, like all the results are mad, completely unpredictable. I'm looking at Everton thinking, I think they could go for the title this year. And as the lads who grew up, whose formative football in years were the 80s when Everton 
uh, were the number one team always competing with Liverpool. I'm, I'm getting a nostalgic thrill from the idea you know, that the Toffees might be there fighting for the title this season. You know what made me laugh, Sam? Your tweet that said, this season of the Premier League is being di- guest directed by David Lynch. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that seemed to go down well. And what was interesting about that tweet was it was because I was trying to watch um, Liverpool versus uh, Aston Villa on my laptop in the living room while my 13-year-old daughter and my wife were watching Twin Peaks. And I was flicking my eyes up to Twin Peaks, which my daughter has just recently got into. And obviously, if you don't know it, it's like David Lynch's surreal, bizarre and hilarious kind of thriller from the 90s. Um, And I'm thinking, I don't know what's weirder here, because it's so weird what's going on on my laptop right now that it's almost like David Lynch himself has been involved in the whole concept of it. Um, but, yeah, that's where it came from. But, yeah, they, these are strange times, uh, but good times for West Ham. Um, buzzing about yesterday, it puts, you on, it puts you in such an amazing mood, doesn't it, when you've seen your team get a result like that. I mean, it's a cliche, but it's true. You're like, you're floating for the next few days. You're absolutely buzzing. And, and the only thing that's sad is that we don't have another game for a couple of weeks because we're in, when you're in this kind of form, you just want to keep playing, don't you? Uh, I, I, I think myself and a few West Ham fans will be looking back on the highlights of the uh, Wolves and City game just to keep us going over the next couple of weeks until we're back again against uh, Tottenham. So yeah, as you mentioned, everything's going good right now. Hopefully the team can pick it up after the, after the break. All right. Yeah, let's hope so. Rashane, pleasure as always. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Keep up with us on Twitter at Delaney Man or at Rashane Sport. Love chatting about uh, stuff that's going on with the Hammers and your views on the stuff we've discussed today. So do get in touch. Um, subscribe via The Athletic. Subscribe to The Athletic too. Then you can read Rashane's fantastic West Ham writing every single day emailed into your inbox. Uh, I've been Sam Delaney. He's been Rashane Thomas. Uh, come on, you irons. Until next time, ladies and gents, there's only one. Samasia, boo!